0: Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the second virtual edition of Red Mountain Church Worship. I appreciate your patience as we figure out the best way to meet together, uh, to worship together in light of uh, the craziness of this time. Uh, I want to say, first of all, maybe most importantly, that I miss all of you. Uh, I love all of you. It's Getting to meet together face to face is probably not something that any of us ever would have thought that we would miss, but miss it an awful lot. I've been thinking a lot about how good of a day it's going to be when we can just be together in the same room and what that's going to be like when we can uh, worship here in the Avon all together um, again. But, uh, all that being said, uh, it, it is, I'm looking forward to being able to, to study God's Word together uh, with all of you in, in this way. We are going to, in light of the circumstances, take a break from the book of Malachi. Uh, these are exceptional circumstances we're all living under. And so we're going to put that to the side a second. And we're going to transition to study the book of Philippians over the next several weeks. Uh, we'll take a break for... Easter, um, Palm Sunday, and that kind of thing. But Philippians is a great book about joy, uh, particularly joy despite the circumstances that we are under. It has a lot to do with God's sovereignty of leading the people, and even in ways where they might not have chosen for themselves, and yet growing um, in our Christian faith despite all of that. Um and to throw one more piece of bit into that, just the icing on the cake, is that Paul is actually writing the book of Philippians from prison uh, to his church that he loves, and he is unable to see them face to face. So um, all those things, that is going to be uh what we're going to study starting next week. Uh this week where though I want to look at Mark chapter four, verses thirty-five through forty-one, the storm about when this story about when Jesus calms a storm. Uh, When he is in the boat with the disciples. Uh, This is one of my, this is really a wonderful story. Um, Every time I hear a a sermon on this, I love it and it's greatly encouraging to me. And I think that it is uh, something that uh, is a very timely thing that we can look at together. You might think that I would have picked a, a passage, a healing passage of Jesus healing sickness. And certainly through all the gospels, then Jesus reveals himself. As the Lord, even of disease. But as we think about the situation we're in, we're in a very unique situation uh, in that we are under threat of a virus, a sickness, but the effects of that are so wide reaching. And the fact is that most of us are not sick. Uh, some of us are, and some of us are. Um, Uh, That's a direct fear of actually contracting the coronavirus, but the number of different things that we are facing, the kind of uncertainty of what life has turned into, um, both for our health, just for our normal uh, steering of life, um, our anxiety um, about our families, um, about our income, about uh, being able to provide for ourselves, even getting to the storm, um, watching the news, how quickly that changes. There is so much just in the air that it is like a storm uh, that is around us. Um, And we really have a couple of different things that we're battling. We're battling a psychological problem um, and that the uncertainty that we're in, it really weighs heavily in our minds. And there's nothing we can do to get out of it. Um, And we have the physical problem. Um, of just the health of our bodies and our basic provision uh, that have now been called into question in ways we probably didn't expect. But most of all, all of us are afraid and all of us are anxious in one way or another. And this is a passage that is specifically about fear. Uh, And that's why I want us to look at it together uh, this morning. And what we're going to see in here is that what God wants out of us is not um, even as we are afraid, Is not some kind of burly or blind faith uh, that we just put on. But he wants us to have an encounter with Jesus. Uh, And that's what this story is all about. That we would ask like the disciples, the who then is it that is trapped in this little boat uh, with us. So let me read the passage. And then there's just two points out of it that I want to make. On that day when evening had come... And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This passage might be familiar to you, uh, and I think it illustrates a point for us uh, that we are all feeling right now, and that. A good crisis, what it does is it shows us our vulnerability, and our vulnerability. It has always been there. Uh, it is always there. It will is there now, and it will be there into the future. And that we are people living in a re- very real world with very real harms, and we are vulnerable. We are in. We are not in control of our circumstances. But every once in a while. Something comes along, some kinds of crisis uh, presents itself, and it reminds us of that fact. It brings us crashing down to earth, and it shows us how vulnerable we really are. Uh, it makes us me think, think about being a kid and climbing a tree, um, feeling very competent, um, grabbing the branches, climbing higher and higher. And then that one little moment where your hand slips, and you just catch yourself, and the butterflies come in your stomach, and you, your heart lurches. Uh, just with that fear um, of almost slipping. And in that fear, you, it's like are, you're brought back into the sober reality that you are really high off the ground. Um, and even as you felt, we felt confident, we felt competent that we are still, in a lot of ways, very, very vulnerable and at the mercy of what is around us. Um, and that's what the disciples um, experience here. And what we find in this in this passage is a two-part thing. One, there's an encounter with vulnerability that is very stark. And there's also an encounter with Jesus that is even, um, is even more so. It is even more fearful. So I'm going to look at these in turn. First, the disciples have an encounter with their vulnerability. Um, and that's the first thing that jumps out here on this passage, that in the first place is a physical vulnerability that they quickly learn, um, that they learn about, that they learn they're subjected to. They go out when it was evening. It says evening had come. And this is just after Jesus had finished teaching several parables. So this would have been at the end of the day. He would have been tired. Um, and there is just nothing better after a day of work, I think, than to go out on a peaceful um, pond or a lake uh, in a boat after a long day of working and obviously it was peaceful enough that they felt that this passage was uh, passage on a boat was a good idea so they go across to the other side they leave the crowd and then it's like out of nowhere this huge storm uh, breaks out and to the point that it is actually breaking into the boat and they feel like they are perishing And this is a little different from us. This was actually a normal situation for the disciples because the Sea of Galilee was almost 700 feet below sea level. And so the way that the downdrafts would occur, um, that it would create these violent storms almost out of nowhere. And if you lived on the water, if you're a fisherman in particular, you lived with this fear all the time. And for them, this is like one of their, their greatest fears has come true. Um, they have realized that they are physically vulnerable and they feel that very tangibly. But we are a little bit different. We live a little bit insulated. um, And that the way that our life works, the systems that we have in place, uh, the technology that we have, uh, the specialties that many of us have, it is easy for us to feel like we have a control over our lives. That no matter what happens, we have some way that we can overcome it, uh, that we can maintain our own safety, we can hedge against our vulnerability. But is a situation like this where we're faced with this virus and we're faced with such a worldwide change to our rhythms of life, that we are actually just like the disciples. Uh, We're in this boat. uh, There is a storm that is around us, um, and we're vulnerable. We're trapped. There is nothing that we can do that we can get ourselves out of the situation and provide for ourselves. Um, And we are at the mercy of what happens. We're living in this great uh, situation of uncertainty. And we have realized that what has always been there, although that we might not want to see, is that we are still creatures. And we are vulnerable. We are physically vulnerable. And we actually have less control over our lives than we often think. But this actually leads us, this physical vulnerability actually leads us to something else, which, which the disciples actually ask here uh, in verse 38. That when they are physically at the mercy of this storm, they wake Jesus and ask him a very important question. They say, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You see, the physical vulnerability actually inevitably leads us to a relational vulnerability. And that it brings into question um, our relationship, particularly with God. I mean, I don't like when I'm working and someone else is not helping out, anyways. When I feel stressed out and no one's living a hand, then that just does something to me. But we all say things all the time like, God loves us, He will protect us, He is our refuge, He's our strength, He's the one that we can depend on. And yet, there's a storm and there are consequences. And what do we make of that? Um, Why does Jesus do that? Like, What is his provision going to look like? What does it mean that he is a refuge? You see, the physical vulnerability inevitably leads us to these relational questions where we have to ask, who is this? Who is this God and what does it mean? What is the relationship that we actually have with him and what does it mean for us? So what do we make of God here in this story? Um... And what do we make of him in the middle of our own little storm that we are in the middle of right now? And that's the second thing, is that not only do we have an encounter with our own vulnerability, but that we are also led to an encounter with Jesus here in this storm. And this is kind of like in a good story where, or a good movie where the main character is brought to go and look back over the story and they remember certain details If we look back over this, there's a few things we might have missed if we weren't paying close attention to. And that is the first thing. Jesus actually leads the disciples into this vulnerability. If you notice in the very first verse, it was Jesus who suggested, let us get into this boat and let us go across the lake. He orchestrated the whole thing. He knew what was coming. He put them in the boat. He put them on the middle of this sea where they were most vulnerable to the elements. He actually led them into this encounter with vulnerability. But it's even more than that. Like we pay we pay more close attention here Um, in verse 37. It says a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. It's like those two little words in there that is already filling. So it is not like there's a storm on the horizon that they're afraid of because it might overtake them. It's actually there. It has already overtaken them. And they're already experiencing the consequences of this fear. It's like their fears have actually come true in some ways that the waves are actually breaking into the boat. So Jesus is le- actually is the one who has led them into this sense of vulnerability and it has gone even past what anyone would have said uh, was safe. But why would Jesus do this? Why would he lead them into such an encounter, such an encounter with vul- vulnerability and fear? And that if we look at what Jesus does, and I think it is very surprising. He does something very spectacular but he actually has, a re, he has something he wants to do in them that is almost opposite to what we would expect. And that is that he actually expands their sense of vulnerability, their sense of fear, rather than shrinking it. Look at what he does. The storm is raging. He wakes up. Um, it's a great storm. And just like Yahweh, who spoke creation into existence, who took the chaos, and just with a word, he brought something beautiful and orderly out of it. He speaks to this storm. And immediately it goes still. But the words that are used in here, the way the story is told in a very particular way um, is very interesting and important. Where first it is, the storm is described as a great wind storm. But then after Jesus speaks to it, it becomes a great calm. That's like an unusual Calm. Like almost, we don't get the sense that it was almost eerie how calm it was. That just as surprising as the storm was, it blows up, as it blew up, that the power that Jesus has to create a great calm. This is absolute and utter authority that when he speaks, things listen. Even the natural world, even the storm. And what's the result of this? Is like in, when the disciples are terrified. Here's another um, aspect of this story in verse 41, where before they were afraid of the storm, it says, and they were filled with a great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This comes out even more starkly in Greek than it does in English. This word, and they were filled actually has the root word of the word fear in it. It's like, and they feared a great fear. Like they were afraid of the storm before, and now that they have seen Jesus's power, rather than their fear of going away, it has actually just been redirected. And not only has it been redirected, it has become worse. Now they are actually more afraid of this person who is in the boat with them, that in the presence of this God, in his hands, they are far more vulnerable than they ever would have been in any kind of storm anything else they would face. And why is this important? As we draw this thing to the point that we're trying to get here out of Jesus, why is it important that we would fear Jesus? And that is the key aspect of being a disciple, of being a follower of him, is first to recognize and to stare right in the face that the vulnerability um, that we actually have is real. It is not something that is just pretend that we need to, to, to put a good face on and pretend like is not there. We are actually vulnerable and we actually need to encounter that sense of vulnerability because when that is there, we are able to see what Jesus is saying is that our fate is not dictated by what is around us. It's not dictated by our ability to navigate the troubled waters. It's not dictated by us having all the right answers. That we have prepped enough that we have insulated ourselves enough or in our ability to keep a brave face, that our fate is dictated by who this is in the boat with us in the middle of the storm. And Jesus is leading them and us to ask this question, who then is this who is in the boat with us? In a very dramatic way, he brings us here to the conclusion of the story, and he wants us to see that it is actually his identity that matters. It is his uh, personhood. He is the calmer of storms. He's the authority of demons. He's shown he's the healer of diseases. He is the one who, being Yahweh himself, he spoke everything into existence, and yet he took on that vulnerable flesh. He got in the boat. He put himself in the middle of the storm with the disciples. And it is him, even though they were afraid of death at that moment, who staved off their death. He held it off to another time so that he could taste death first for them so that whenever their time actually came, whenever they faced the ultimate sense of their own vulnerability, even in death, they would do so knowing that Jesus had already been there and he would lead them there as well. Jesus is the ultimate power. He is the one who rose again. He's the Lord of history. He is the one who is working all things in accordance of this will of his will. And yet at the end of all of this, it is this Jesus who is in that boat and who is in our boat with us, who is someone who is far more worthy of our respect and our fear than anything we might face. So what Jesus wants from us out of this is trust. You know, as he even leads us, one of the sobering things of preaching a word like this is I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what he's going to do in your life. I don't know what he's going to do in my life. I don't know what he's going to do in our world around us. Uh, the trouble that you might face, the trouble that I might face, it truly is a scary thing. But what we have here is this Wonderful and powerful demonstration as C.S. Lewis says of a God who is not safe, but a God who has poured himself out for us as a demonstration of his love. And so that no matter what the storm, that we have this Jesus right next to us all the time, who is awesome in power, who is directing all things and who is working all things for good. That is the promise that you and I have to cling to, um, even the chaos that we have now. So what can we do? We can continue to uh, take up the works that we are called to, by loving our neighbors, doing good, investing in God's kingdom however possible, um, even now. It might mean that we make a plan, um, that we fill our cupboards, do whatever we need to do, and then we go outside and we play. It might mean we turn off the news and we go sleep. The point here is that Jesus is in the boat. He is with us and his power and his authority is far more scary than anything that we can face. And we are invited to put our trust in this God. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you uh, for your power. Uh, Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your control. We pray for all of your people that you would give them comfort and give them rest, uh, no matter what the storm is that they're facing. In Jesus' name, amen.